You're listening to the micro version of the Savage Lovecast at savage.love. If you're stuck in a relationship quandary, or if you're looking for sexual harmony, well, there's nothing you can't ask on the Savage Lovecast. Polysexuals. Those are people who experience attraction to people of multiple genders. Polysexuals are not to be confused with omnisexuals. Those are people who experience attraction to people of all genders, who are not to be confused with bisexuals, people who experience attraction to two or more genders, who are not to be confused with homosexuals. Those are people who don't adhere to sexual orientation labels and, quote, tend to resist conventional methods of categorizing sexuality which is why they needed their own category. And of course, polysexual people are not to be confused with polyamorous people who have more than one committed romantic partner. A polyamorous person can be polysexual and a polysexual person could be polyamorous, but not all people who are one kind of poly are both kinds of poly. I learned all this reading a 10,000 word explainer on polysexuality published on the website Queerty last week. What is polysexual? Unpacking the term. There was a whole section in that unpacker on the myths and misconceptions people tend to have about polysexual people, which is kind of hilarious and mind-bending when you think about it, because it's actually hard to have a misconception about something you literally have no concept of because you've never heard of it, because someone made it up two minutes ago, or because it's not a thing, or maybe it is a thing, but it was already a thing, and that thing already had a name or two names in this case, by and pan, and we didn't need another one or another two. One really easy way to tell that polysexual is just another word for bisexual is by reading the myths and misconceptions section of this unpacker at Queerty. By some non-miraculous non-coincidence, all those myths and misconceptions about polysexuals are the same myths and misconceptions people tend to have about bisexuals. That they always cheat, that they're hypersexual, that they're really gay— Yeah, what's not true about bisexuals also isn't true about polysexuals because polysexuals are bisexuals by another name, another confusing and unnecessary name. A conservative is someone who stands athwart history yelling stop. I'm not a conservative. I am no William F. Buckley fan. I have no interest in standing athwart queer history yelling stop. But right now... I kind of want to yell or not yell. I'm not a yeller. I kind of want to mutter under my breath into a microphone, which I guess makes it morally indistinguishable from yelling. I kind of want to yell, not stop. I don't want to yell stop, but maybe give it a rest. That's enough for now. That'll do pig time to wrap this conclave up, send some smoke up the chimney and turn our attentions away from just how thinly we can slice sexual orientation and gender identity and how many pride flags and pronouns we can wave around and worry instead about, I don't know, anything else like the 10-year-old rape victim in Ohio who was denied an abortion last week. Look, I know people can do more than one thing at a time and no one can focus on the horrible things that are going on 24 hours a day. Last week, I worried about abortion rights myself and donated money to abortionfunds.org. And I made time to read a biography of Catherine Howard, Henry VIII's fifth wife, Young, Damned, and Fair by Gareth Russell. It's terrific. I recommend it. 
I also went for a long bike ride and ate dinner in a nice restaurant with family and took a moment to retweet a story about Republicans in Minnesota accidentally legalizing weed edibles. Because those things, all those things, royal biographies, bike rides, nice restaurants, Republicans doing the right thing by accident, which is the only way they ever do the right thing, all those things give me pleasure. And I guess, I guess if coming up with new names for bisexuality gives someone out there pleasure, I'm not going to tell you to stop. But maybe pause, pump the brakes, leave the house, go get laid. I've been trying to think about why this one story about a sexual orientation that no one I know identifies with annoyed me so much. So much so that I'm talking about it at the top of my show and not just ignoring it like a sane person would. I think the reason I'm talking about it right now, I think the reason it annoys me so much is because it feels like games are being played here. My people are playing games here. The alphabet people are. My fellow queers. And I don't think these are fun games. They're not games like Schnapsen or Troke or Talk. Shout out to my Schnapsen, Troke, and Talk partners who also listen to my show. Those are my favorite pants-on games. You are my favorite pants-on game partners. But this game... The name and pride flag and 10,000 word explainer on queer websites game. It feels not just stupid, not just pointless because no one is going to remember all this shit. It feels stupid and pointless, I guess, unless the point is to stress people out. Reading about polysexuality and being importuned to know the difference between polysexuality, bisexuality, pansexuality, omnisexuality, and pomosexuality, it feels like being set up to fail because no one can keep this shit straight. And you know when the inevitable happens, when you're not up on the latest lingo or heard it once but didn't memorize it, when you finally fall into the trap you saw being set for you, The people who set the trap for you are going to claim you've wronged them and oppressed them. (sighs) In conclusion, let me say for the record, okay, sure, polysexual, not to be confused with polyamorous, not to be confused with bisexual, pansexual, omnisexual, homosexual, but anything that requires a 10,000 word explainer, I'd also like to say, to prevent people from being confused was designed to confuse people. And people are stressed out enough right now without feeling like being an ally to or a member of the LGBTQIA plus community is a vocabulary test you're doomed to fail by design. But hey, distractions are welcome. Most of my show is a distraction. I just hope in addition to the unserious stuff we're all allowed to distract ourselves with, Wordle for you, Catherine Howard for me, 10,000 word explainers, distinguishing polysexuality from bisexuality for you, None of us are neglecting the serious stuff we also need to be doing right now. The organizing, the fundraising, the registering of people to vote, the resisting, and the assisting. And also, let's make sure the distractions we're enjoying or creating aren't making things worse. All right, speaking of, I think, I hope, welcome distractions, the call for submissions for the Hump 2023 Film Festival has officially gone out. All the info you need to make or star in a hump film or make and star in a hump film is up now at humpfilmfest.com slash submit. Coming up on today's show, tons of your cues, lots of my A's. Joining me on the Magnum, Dr. Ina Park returns to talk about HPV. Should people over 50 get the HPV vaccine? 
And I kept her on the line to talk about monkeypox. When I raised the alarm about monkeypox at the top of the show back in May, there were 100 cases worldwide. Now there are more than 5,000 cases, and 99% of those cases are among gay and bi men. How worried should we all be? Dr. Park is here to let us know on the Magnum. This episode is brought to you by Helix Sleep, the best mattress for your individualized comfort. Right now, my listeners get up to $200 off all mattress orders at helixsleep.com slash savage. This episode of the Savage Lovecast is brought to you by FrameBridge. FrameBridge makes it easier and more affordable than ever to frame your favorite things without ever having to leave the house. Go to framebridge.com and use the promo code SAVAGE to save an additional 15% off your first order. This episode is sponsored by Manscaped. Join the 4 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped to look and feel cool, neat and clean down there. Go to manscaped.com for 20% off and free shipping with the code LOVECAST. Hi, Dan. This is a 39-year-old gay cis man from the Northeast. The current situation is I've been with my partner of three years, and we are at the point where I would really like to open up our relationship and start practicing ethical non-monogamy. He is not particularly on board with this, as he believes that non-monogamy is a sign of relationship problems and not of a healthy relationship, which I disagree with. And that's a conversation for another day, I guess. But here's my question. So my partner is kinky. He's into feet. He's into other kinds of stuff that I have indulged him in the past. Like I'm GGG. I'll pretty much do whatever he asks for in terms of his sexual needs and I'm happy to oblige. My question is, is ethical non-monogamy considered a kink or a fetish? Because I'm wondering if, if I approach this from a, well, I'm working with you on your kink and indulging that, why do you have a hard time reciprocating um, when I've identified that my desire for my sexual outlet and repertoire is to add some ethical non-monogamy. I'm just curious what you think. If this approach, you think this approach might help or if I'm completely off here and it's not connected to kink at all. I'm curious to hear what you think. Instead of relabeling your desire to engage in ethical non-monogamy, to introduce ethical non-monogamy into your committed relationship with your partner of three years, instead of relabeling that as a kink, as your kink, I think it would be better if you tackle directly your partner's worry that opening the relationship or an open relationship is a sign of the weakness of that relationship. And there is data, there is research out there to back up the position that an open relationship, rather than being a sign that the relationship is unstable in a gay male couple is often a sign of the opposite. Stephanie Kuntz, who literally wrote the book on marriage, Marriage, A History, How Love Conquered Marriage, wrote up for the New York Times a couple of years ago, the results of a study titled Marital Strain and Psychological Distress in Same-Sex and Different-Sex Couples. The study involved 400 different couples, straight ones, gay ones, lesbian ones. And while they found that gay male couples were the least likely to be monogamous, 
researchers found that gay male couples, their relationships, their marriages, once they were married, once they were committed, were the most stable. Quoting from Stephanie Kuntz's op-ed in the New York Times, notably, however, while the dating relationships of male couples are less stable than those of female-female or male-female couples, their formalized unions are as stable as those of heterosexuals and more stable than formalized female-female unions. A lot of queer people, even queer people, get this wrong. They look at lesbians who are likelier to be monogamous and think their marriages are consequently more stable because they are doing monogamy, not non-monogamy, ethical or otherwise. And the opposite is true. Gay male relationships, which are less likely, gay male marriages, committed relationships, not dating relationships, which are less likely to be monogamous than lesbian relationships, those gay male marriages, more stable. That's what I would go to your partner with. Us opening the relationship isn't a bad sign about its stability. It's a good sign, potentially. And when you think about it, when you zoom out to 30,000 feet and really think about it, why do a lot of couples wind up who are in monogamous relationships wind up breaking up? Well, somebody cheats or somebody just is bored and wants out. And the only way they can satisfy their desire for something new sexually, they can satiate their sexual boredom is to end the relationship. If it is a monogamous commitment. So you're going to have to press the issue and relabeling your desire to open the relationship as a kink, I don't think is the way to go about it. Appeal to your partner's concern that this would be a bad sign about your relationship beginning to fall apart or disintegrate. Perhaps if you're committed, if you're married, or if you get married, it could be seen as, or should be seen as the opposite, as a good sign. In a lot of gay male relationships, some allowance for outside sexual contact, far from being a destabilizing influence, the data, the research, seems to suggest very strongly that it is the opposite, that it is a stabilizing influence in our marriages, in our relationships. All that said, you know, talk about people who are PUD, poly under duress, or open under duress, OUD. It may be that you're going to have to say to your partner, look, I, I need this. I need to be in an open relationship. I need some allowance for being with other men. We can do this as a DADT, a don't ask, don't tell arrangement. I'd prefer for it to be honest and above board. But if this is the price of admission that he has to pay to stay with you, you may wind up in a place where he grudgingly agrees to this to keep you, or you may wind up in a place where if this is a non-negotiable for you, an open relationship is what you need to be happy, where he exits the relationship because he can't agree to openness. There are monogamous gay male couples out there. There are gay men who want to be in monogamous relationships. Your current partner may be one of those men. If that's what he wants over the long haul, over the next five decades that you're both alive, fingers crossed, well, then you guys may not be right for each other. Hey, Dan, mid-30s, cis guy living in on the East Coast. Um, I had a question. Basically, when I was in a relationship with my ex, um, I had no problem getting hard pretty regularly. Like three to four times a day, we usually used to have sex, and that was great. But recently, I've noticed now that I'm single again, sometimes I have trouble and it doesn't even seem to be correlating with anything, like 
one person I slept with, I couldn't really, I could only really get hard one time. After that, I couldn't really do much. Now, the girl was also kind of like giving up on trying to get me hard. She would just like, you know, kind of trip me off for like 10 seconds and then it wouldn't get hard and she would give up. And I told her, you need to do that longer in order for it to work. But, uh, but then it was kind of weird because then I was making out with someone else and I was just getting hard naturally without any stimulation, just in my pants. And I don't seem to see any correlation there. Is there a way for me to restore that level of uh, constant arousal without confines of relationship? Or am I just working with a dick that's perhaps trained for monogamy? Maybe your dick is designed for or built for monogamy and that would be nice and that would be the first dick like that. Or maybe you're attaching too much meaning and importance to this one experience with a partner you didn't click with. In your last relationship, you say that you and your previous partner were having sex three to four times a day with no problem. You also say you're in your mid-30s. Maybe you are aging out of reliable erections for intercourse three or four times a day. That is a thing that happens to men as they age. Maybe that's happening to you right now. And it has nothing to do with being you know, with a familiar partner or an unfamiliar new partner. But the woman you were with where you got it up once and you were able to get off once and then you couldn't get it up again, okay, maybe you were just done. Maybe your dick was just done and you shouldn't get too much in your head about it lest you do your own dick in. And you say that she was jacking you off, but she wasn't jacking you off just right and you couldn't get hard again and you were thinking, maybe you even said you need to do that longer for that to work. Well, you could have taken matters into your own hands at that moment if obtaining an erection at that moment was really important to you and stroked yourself until you were hard again while you rolled around with that woman and made out or did some other things if she was still interested in sex. You know, maybe she was only giving you a half-hearted hand job at that point because she was done and didn't want another go around. And maybe you were picking up on that vibe from her that she was done and didn't want to have another go around, which is why she wasn't really invested in masturbating you, jacking you off the way you needed to be jacked off. And that chased your dick away. That perhaps subconscious realization that she wasn't really into it, certainly wasn't invested in jacking you off just the way you needed to be jacked off. But then you were with somebody else rolling around and you were hard. You were making out and you were hard. So trust that your dick is fine and that your dick will be there for you when you need your dick. You want to be confident in your dick. And remember what the actors say. All, all the Every actor I know, every professional actor I know says performance anxiety is that it's most intense on opening night because the stakes are high. The critics are in the house. If you screw up that performance on opening night with the critics in the house, the show might get a lousy review and have to close. So with your previous partner and you're remembering that relationship, you know, backwards through the prism of, you know, how things were working at the end, probably not remembering how things were working at the beginning, you were confident, you had a groove with your previous partner and that was a show, that was a long running show and you knew your lines and your marks. With a new partner, you're probably going to be a little bit more nervous and you need to give yourself a break. Yeah. If you got it up once and got off once, maybe that's enough with the new partner. Maybe you're not going to have sex three or four times in a day with that new partner. Maybe that new partner doesn't want to have sex with you another three or four times, or maybe not ever again, maybe not even one more time. Just relax. Trust that your dick 
still works, that you can still get hard, you can still get off. You did with that woman who didn't give you the great hand job after you'd had sex with her once and you were able to get hard when you're making out with the next woman. Don't stress about this. Allowing yourself to become anxious about this is the quickest route to giving yourself, creating for yourself a crippling case of performance anxiety going forward. This episode of the Savage Lovecast is sponsored by Framebridge. Framebridge makes it easier and more affordable than ever to frame your favorite things without ever having to leave the house. Add a gallery wall to your home office or send an easy foolproof gift, especially for all those weddings you have coming up. From art prints and posters to the photos sitting on your phone, you can Framebridge just about anything. Here's how it works. Go to framebridge.com and upload your photo, or they'll send you packaging to safely mail in your physical pieces. Preview your item online in dozens of frames, styles, and gallery wall layouts. Choose your favorite or get free recommendations from their talented designers. The experts at Framebridge will custom frame your item and deliver your finished piece directly to your door, ready to hang. Instead of the hundreds you'd pay at a framing store, their prices start at $39 and all shipping is free. Plus, my listeners get 15% off their first order at framebridge.com when you use the code SAVAGE. Order online at framebridge.com or stop by a Framebridge store to work with a designer in person if you're in New York, D.C., Atlanta, Philly, Boston, or Chicago. We have a photo wall in our house. We have been neglecting it over the last 10 years. We realized when we looked at it that ever since Instagram came along, we had stopped framing things and putting them up on our wall. We decided with Framebridge to get some things out of our phones and up on the walls where we could see them every day and enjoy them. And other people who come over and might not follow us on Instagram can see some of our favorite photos too. Everything we've sent to Framebridge came back looking great and we've loved adding new stuff finally after 10 years to our picture wall. Get started today. Frame your photos or send someone the perfect gift. Go to framebridge.com. Use the promo code SAVAGE to save an additional 15% off your first order. Just go to framebridge.com, promo code SAVAGE. Let them know the Lovecast sent you. Framebridge.com, promo code SAVAGE. Hi, Dan and the tech savvy at risk youth. This is a cis hetero female from Seattle, 33 years old, calling with a question about kissing. So I've been dating this guy for several months and I like him, but I hate the way he kisses. He does this thing where he will nibble on my lips and he really focuses on my lips. I really dislike it. And recently, I'm not sure if it's connected, have started getting kind of rashy lips that's kind of dry and sensitive. And so I've asked him in the past to stop nibbling on my lips. And he will dial it a lot back, but he just does it very, very lightly. (laughs) And I've also told him that I enjoy tongue more but he says that he doesn't like kissing like that because you have to turn your head more. So my question is, since I don't think he's capable of changing the way he kisses, is this a valid reason to break up with someone? If basically everything else is fine, but you just never want to kiss that person because of the way that they kiss. If you like everything else about a person, except for the way they kiss, you can certainly stay in that relationship and just not kiss them. 
And that early in the relationship, you say you recently started dating this guy, that kind of early in the relationship, making out all the time, drinking gallons of that person's spit, tends to drop off the longer you're in a relationship. Kissing becomes less, I don't know, less of a pastime, less of a main event than it is at the beginning, the longer you're in a relationship. So this may annoy you less over time just because you may find yourself kissing this guy less over time. But what concerns me is that you asked him to stop and it didn't stop. Stop asking him to stop. Start telling him to stop. When he starts nibbling your lips, which I have to say sounds really fucking annoying, put your hands on his shoulders and move him back a step and tell him, I don't like that. Don't do that. I'm not asking you. I'm telling you, stop. Let it ruin the moment. Because it's certainly ruining the moment for you. Because not only are you getting kissed in a way that feels annoying, not only are you getting kissed in a way that you are thinking in the back of your mind, my lips are going to be chapped later. He's telling you at that moment that he either doesn't care how you feel or can't recall when he's turned on or can't prioritize your feelings, can't keep them in mind, in the front of his mind, either because his dick is harder or just because he's incapable of doing so. Either way, kind of disqualifying. So yeah, if you can't get him to stop, this is a valid, absolutely a valid reason to break up with someone. Not only doesn't he kiss you how you'd like to be kissed, he doesn't respect you enough to stop kissing you the way you hate being kissed. Can I ask you a kind of personal question? How old is your mattress? What? Oh my God, you have got to get a new one right away. And when you do, be sure to do what I did and get yourself a Helix sleep mattress. Helix Sleep has a quiz that takes just two minutes to complete and matches your body type and sleep preferences to the perfect mattress for you. With Helix, you're getting a mattress that you know will be perfect for the way you sleep. They have several different mattress models to choose from, soft, medium, and firm. Mattress is great for cooling you down if you sleep hot. Mattress is great for spinal alignment to prevent morning aches and pains, and even a Helix Plus for plus-sized sleepers. And bless them, they design their mattresses with sex in mind, so these mattresses can handle pretty much anything you want to try on them, anything you want to throw at them. Oh my God, if my Helix mattress could only talk. When we first got ours, we were matched with the Midnight Lux model and we love it. The only thing I dislike about traveling is leaving my mattress behind. I love, love, love how easy it was. The mattress comes right to your door, shipped for free. Just go to helixsleep.com slash savage, take their two-minute sleep quiz, and they will match you to a customized mattress that will give you the best sleep of your life. They have a 10-year warranty, and you get to try out your new mattress for 100 nights risk-free. They'll even pick it up for you if you don't love it. But you know what? You're going to love it. Helix also has financing options and flexible payment plans. Helix is offering up to $200 off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners at helixsleep.com savage. That's helixsleep.com savage. Hi, Dan and the tech-savvy at-risk youth. I'm a 30-something gay cis guy on the West Coast, and I have a question about setting boundaries in poly relationships when it's my husband's relationship and not mine. My husband and I have been together for more than 10 years and have been open for most of the relationship, 
But about a year ago, we opened the door to a more poly or emotional connection with other guys. I recently met my husband's friend. Uh, that's my husband's term. And I've left those interactions feeling hurt. In particular, because of how the meetings happened, I didn't feel like I had a choice about meeting him. I felt pulled into interactions that make me feel like my agency is getting pushed aside and sort of like my being there is in furtherance of their relationship. I know there's not a blueprint, and I've had a number of ups and downs on how I feel about opening this poly door in general. Thankfully, my husband and I have really strong communication and a really strong relationship, but figuring out these boundaries has been tough for me. For the most recent interaction the friend invited me to, I told my husband I didn't plan to go, but would if it was important to him that I be there. And I ended up leaving that situation feeling the same way as before. How can I better set my boundaries in my husband's relationship with his friend without getting myself even more involved in their relationship? I don't want to be involved, and I already feel like an asshole for telling my husband I don't want anything to do with his friend and would feel like an asshole telling his friend I don't want to be his buddy and to leave me alone when we inevitably cross paths. I don't want to be more involved, but maybe I have to be more direct to figure this out. You have a boundary. You just have to set it. You don't want to have a friendship or a relationship with your husband's, let's not call him a friend, let's call him your husband's boyfriend. You don't want to hang out with him. You don't want to chit chat. You don't want to be confronted, I guess, with the reality of what is now a, a poly situation, not just an open relationship, not just your husband fuck some dude. But your husband is dating some other dude, and you are uncomfortable interacting with that dude for reasons. And it is not a great idea for your husband or his boyfriend to force you into situations where you're going to have to interact with him or you're going to feel obligated to because you want to observe certain social norms around not being a rude-ass motherfucker, not declining invitations that your husband, you know, from his boyfriend, that your husband knows are going to make you feel put on the spot and awkward and cause conflict, be an engine of conflict in your marriage. So your husband needs to run a little interference for you. That said, the standard you seem to want to apply just for the boyfriend to leave you alone when you cross paths. What do you mean by that exactly? Leave you alone. Does that mean you don't want to have to acknowledge him? You don't want to have to make eye contact? You don't want to have to say hello? You don't want to have to be civil or polite to your husband's boyfriend? Well, that to me seems unfair. That to me seems unkind to your husband's boyfriend and puts him in a really awkward position and puts your husband in a really awkward position where you are telegraphing to his boyfriend that you can't tolerate or can barely tolerate his existence and that you are unhappy about his relationship with your husband. And if you're going to have a poly open kind of relationship, you have to at least be capable. You don't have to be best friends with your husband's boyfriend or your husband's regular piece on the side or your husband's fuck buddy. But if you're going to be thrown together in bars or at parties or at social events that you can't avoid being thrown together, you have to at least be able to be civil 
and polite to this person who exists and who has feelings. And if you can't do that, you shouldn't be attempting to do the poly thing at all. If you can't do that, that's evidence that you're not cut out for this, that you can't give your husband what he's asking for, that maybe the pivot to poly was a mistake. This could also be a transitional stage. It may be that you're feeling awkward about the existence of this person and this person that your husband has not just a sexual relationship with, but an emotional connection to a romantic connection with a, you know, an ongoing romantic connection with that. This is new and different and you're having feelings. And right now you need to not have those nerve endings sandpapered in quite the way that having to interact with him or being at parties with him or him being overly friendly or overly familiar with you feels insensitive and uncaring for you right now. And you just need time to, to, to acclimate. And maybe that's what you're feeling is sort of rushed, not into poly, but into a kind of varsity level poly kitchen sink poly. There's a reason that there's an expression for a kind of poly where the people who are in, you know, polyamorous triads and polyamorous relationships hang out with each other's partners. There's a term for that kitchen sink poly. It means everyone can sit around the kitchen. It's kitchen sink. Oh my God. I always say that kitchen table. It means everyone can always, everyone can sit around the kitchen table and be chill and have dinner together and talk about stuff. That's not the relationship. And there's a term for that kind of poly because not everybody doing poly is doing that kind of poly. So if you still want to do poly, go to your husband and say, stop rushing me to what Dan Savage invariably calls in error, kitchen sink poly, kitchen table poly, and just let's be poly for right now. But I don't want to hang out with your boyfriend. And I don't want to be asked by your boyfriend to hang out because I don't want to have to say no to your boyfriend for him to think there's something wrong or whatever. I just want my feelings prioritized at this moment by my fucking husband. That's you. You should prioritize my feelings and not force me into interactions that I'm not ready for. But the bone you're going to throw your husband and his boyfriend is that you will be civil. They do not have to leave you alone. His boyfriend does not have to leave you alone when you cross paths. You will say hello, and then you will get the fuck away from him. This episode is sponsored by Manscaped, grooming and hygiene for men who want to look and feel good during this hot guy summer. When you shave someone's balls, your own balls, the balls of someone you love, you want to get that right. No nicks, no cuts. And having the right tools to do that job will help you feel confident about getting that work done right. For your very favorite balls, you want the very best products, and that's Manscaped. The Manscaped Performance Package 4.0 has everything you need to prepare your beautiful summer body. In this package, you'll find their Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, weed whacker, ear and nose hair trimmer, ball deodorant, toner, boxer briefs, and a travel bag for everything to go in. Their Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents with their advanced skin safe technology. The Lawnmower 4.0 has a 7,000 RPM motor, a new multifunction on off switch, and a 4,000K LED spotlight that you can turn on as needed. Really helpful when you're moving up from the balls into the crack and it is waterproof. Once you've removed all that hair or just some of that hair, some guys want smooth, some guys just want to trim. All guys, hairy or smooth, want to be neat and feel fresh. 
Well, that's where Manscaped's liquid formulations come in. Use their ball deodorant to stay cool in the heat with a soothing aloe vera formula for below the waist freshness and also their toner. And did I tell you already that you'll get a pair of Manscaped boxers and a travel bag too. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code LOVECAST at manscaped.com. That's 20% off plus free shipping with the code LOVECAST at manscaped.com. This is the summer to treat your package and the packages of everyone you care about right with Manscaped. Hi, Dan, Nancy, and the Tech Savvy at Risk Youth. Trans, 30-something, polyamorous, pan girl from the Midwest. I'm calling because I kind of just broke up with a partner. Entered into a polyamorous triad about six months ago after leaving a long-term relationship. Um, One of my partners and I are getting along really well, and we're having a blast. The other partner I just broke up with on uh, yesterday. Uh, I reached out and met somebody online that was a dom and was negotiating, meeting up, getting to know each other, possibly playing. We talked for a couple weeks. It was really cool because they sought me out. We got along really well. We clicked. They were really nice. I was really excited. And this is kind of a first for me. Um, We met up at a pride event. We had a blast, had a lot of fun. Uh, And so we all went back to the house. Um, I introduced them to my partners at the beginning of the day because they might be in the house and that's the polite thing to do. But when we got back, my partner proceeded to kind of talk about her preferences and what she likes in play. And that's fine because we normally talk about that stuff really openly. She then proceeded to ask my company if they wanted to play at that moment. And then she asked me if I was okay with it. I'm not going to tell two consenting adults no, but I was definitely not uncomfortable with it, and I felt kind of wronged. They've been around the block for a long time. They've been in the King community for a decade, so they've had a lot of experiences, and this would have been my first experience with a dom. So I kind of felt really wronged in this moment, and so I, after sleeping on it, decided to break up with them the next day. Do I have a leg to stand on here? Is this regular in the poly community? Because I feel like this was kind of a dense thing to do. Absolutely, that was a dense thing your former partner did. Dense, rude, thoughtless, inconsiderate. Uh, And what a complicated mess of a situation you're in. You've only been in this poly triad for six months. You all live together. You've broken up with one of your partners in this poly triad, but presumably not the other partner in the poly triad. So you are still wrapped up in this poly triad, but rather than a triad relationship, it is now a V-shaped poly triad where you're both in a relationship, you and your ex-partner, both in a relationship with one person, you're all under the same roof. Ugh, ugh, ugh. That is maybe you guys all moved in together really quickly because of you know, your economic circumstances or getting out of your previous relationship. But this is a really good argument. Your current living arrangements slash predicament for not moving in with people too quickly. It's curious that the dom in this story that you introduced to your partners slash roommates seems to have no agency said nothing, did nothing when your roommate or ex-partner, when she moved in on him, when she attempted to swipe the dom out from under you or from on top of you, I guess, doms or tops, they said nothing, that dom, they said nothing at that point. They were just 
an inert and helpless lump of dominance? What did they say at that moment? And I really feel that you need to, in the future, in the moment, advocate for yourself. Your thoughtless, clueless, dense and considerate, rude, selfish former partner when you were still together at that moment, when you invited the Dom over and you were all talking about your interests and preferences, they asked you if you were okay with them hooking up with your Dom or with her, you used she pronouns in reference to your former partner, with her hooking up with the Dom that you had brought over and been chatting with for a couple of weeks and that you were excited to play with. They asked, she asked, if you could if be all right with that, if it was okay with you for her to hook up with the Dom that you had been flirting with for a couple of weeks, either instead or concurrently, but it sure sounds like instead. Were you clear at that moment that you were going to play with this Dom imminently and that's why you had brought that Dom over? And when your former partner asked if you were okay with it, did you tell her, could you have told her no? What kind of vibe was the Dom giving off at that point? Was the Dom at that moment clearly telegraphing that they were more interested in playing with your former partner than playing with you? Was it not just your former partner who was being shitty at this moment, but this not inert lump of dominance that was the Dom that you had been flirting with a couple of weeks? Mm. Such a complicated mess of a situation. But the question you ask is, do you have a leg to stand on? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, relationships are at-will occupations. If you don't want to be in that relationship, whatever relationship you're in, you're free to exit it. This is going to be a complicated exit because you are still in a relationship with your ex, no longer in a polytriad with them where you have a relationship with them, but they are your metamor now because they are in a relationship with someone that you are in a relationship with, the third leg of this polytriad stool, and you still live together. So I would encourage you maybe to engage in some de-escalating conversations, communications with your former partner with the one leg of the stool that you snapped off yesterday. What were they thinking? What was she thinking at that moment? Was she thinking with her clit? Was she not being considerate? Did she not, does she not have the emotional intelligence to realize that that would hurt your feelings? And that was not, you know, moving in on somebody else's hookup trick, dom, date, whatever, at that moment was a rude and inconsiderate thing to do. And can she come through with an apology and an explanation that makes you feel better? Not better enough to get back into a relationship with her. Maybe that's off the table. But at least diffuses the tension that's going to exist, seeing as you two live together and are going to continue to be in relationship with one another, if not in a relationship with one another. And what does the Dom have to say? I'm really curious. What does the Dom have to say about all of this? Are you still in communication with the Dom? Are you still intending to play with the Dom? Curious listeners want to know. All right, before we get to this week's listener feedback calls, let's read some listener tweets. Kelly Felker's tweets, Dan's monologue at the top of the Lovecast last week 
was the first thing I've heard since the Dobbs decision was released that made me feel hopeful. We will fight to reverse this decision, and in the meantime, we will get pills and boarding passes to those who need them. I'm going to plug them again, abortionfunds.org. Please join me and Terry in making a monthly donation. And all the info you need about medication abortion is available at plancpills.org. Laura Duck tweets, hey, Dan, I'm a 41-year-old sexually confused lady, and I'm wondering if it's possible to find women attractive but to rather have sex with men. Not only is it possible, you're already doing it. You're doing it right now. It's also really common for bi people to have a preference for men over women or women over men or one particular flavor of gender expression or presentation over all other flavors. Also possible for omnis, pans, pomos, and polys. Really Ed Brown tweets, listening to fake Dan Savage talk to opera sensation Jamie Barton at J. Barton Mezzo about rough blowjobs on the Savage Lovecast. Absolute joy. Jamie needs to be on regularly. I completely agree, Ed. I can't wait to have Jamie Barton back on the show. All right, if you want me to read your tweet on an upcoming episode of the Savage Lovecast, please remember to include the hashtag Savage Lovecast. And a big thank you to Scott, Jacqueline, and Go North, who all tweeted about becoming Magnum subs this week. We appreciate your support and the support of all our Magnum subs and all our listeners, period, micro, or Magnum. All right, on to listener feedback. Hi, Dan. I'm calling with a comment about the caller who wanted to know if having sex while on the phone was a consent violation. And I agree with you that it isn't if it's secret, but the issue is if it isn't secret. I have gotten those calls before where people are clearly having sex. And as a single woman who lives alone, it's super creepy. Like, I felt very violated from those calls and scared and wondering if, like, I was targeted maybe. I mean, it hasn't happened a lot, but it's happened, like, twice in my life and really made me feel kind of squicky and violated. So, yeah, I would say this is an example of being a man versus being a woman in that, like, men often don't think about their personal safety in that way, but for women... If a woman got that call, especially like a random woman, I think that it would be very, very creepy. So I would say as long as people don't know that he's having sex, it's fine. But with how he sounded and everything, no, he shouldn't do that. It's not okay. I have two quick comments for the guy who is being abused or defamed by these people in his town who are saying that he was an abuser and a gaslighter and the first is they likely won't believe anything that his ex-wife says even if she addresses them because they'll probably believe that she's either being manipulated and or gaslighted by him again or even just sort of threatened even though obviously that's not the vein in which she would speak to her and the second point is if what they're doing is truly impacting him which it clearly is if he's thinking about moving that's defamation and defamation is actually something that he could sue over. Don't know that you necessarily want to go that route, but he should probably talk to a lawyer. Maybe they can do some sort of cease and desist. I'm sure that will only amp these people up even more. But if it's really, really that bad and it's impacting his ability to co-parent with his ex-wife, this might be something that he considers suing over. Hello, this is a listener response call for the woman who was worried about misgendering the dog walker in episode 818. Um, Dan is right on. There's two options. You can either you can avoid it or just assume. But you can also just ask. Um, something similar happened to my girlfriend and I 
we were working an event. She is pretty butch, uh, dresses like a tomboy. And we were working with this woman for, you know, the state of two hours. Didn't know her very well. And this woman, we introduced ourselves, and she just goes, my girlfriend, and what are your pronouns? And, you know, my girlfriend's like, oh, she, her. And yours? And the girl was like, same. And we carried about our event. All was well. Um, and I promise it was not awkward at all. So just like how you get used to using gender-neutral pronouns, like they, them, you can also get used to just asking. Um, and later on, my girlfriend said, wow, that was really nice. I really appreciated that she asked. So can make someone say. And we're going to leave it there, right there. Got a question for next week's Lovecast or something to say about something I said on this week's Lovecast? Use the Voice Memo app on your phone to record your question or your comment and email it to us at voicemail at savagelovecast.com. You can also call us at 206-302-2064. Sack Lunch, my monthly hangout exclusively for Magnum Subs, is this Thursday, July 7th at 12 p.m. Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern. I'll be answering questions live from Magnum Subs and inviting volunteer Magnum Subs to jump in and give some advice themselves. It's always a lot of fun. If you're not already a Magnum Sub, become a Magnum Sub today at savage.love slash lovecast and join us for this month's Sack Lunch. National Vanilla Ice Cream Day is coming up July 23rd. Can't think of a better, kinkier, more perverted way to celebrate National Vanilla Ice Cream Day than by eating vanilla ice cream out of one of our gorgeous, good giving and game mugs that you can order now at savage.love slash shop. Follow me on Twitter at FakeDanSavage. Follow Dr. Ina Park on Twitter at InaParkMD. You can also follow now the Tech Savvy at Risk Youth on Twitter. Follow them at Lovecast, T-S-A-R-Y. T-S-A-R-Y stands for, of course, Tech Savvy at Risk Youth. They've been on Twitter forever. They were beta Twitter testers, but now they've got a group account, and you should go follow them. You should also know that the Savage Lovecast is produced every week by Nancy Hartunian. And me and the tech-savvy at-risk youth and Nancy will all be back at you next week on installment of the Savage Lovecast. Thank you for downloading and thank you for donating. Abortionfunds.org. <laughs>